Hey folks, it's uh, your host Jeff McNeil. Welcome to Coast to Coast Outdoors episode 8. This evening's uh, visual podcast, we have Roger Lewis uh, from Lower Sackville, Nova Scotia. He is going to showcase some of his most memorable hunts. As well, we'll be touching on the use of traditional bows and broadheads. Do they still do the job? As well, we will also touch on fond memories of growing up hunting with family and some of the different species that uh, Roger has harvested uh, over his career, as well as uh, his his time writing some magazine articles as well. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome Roger Lewis to the show. Hi, Jeff. How are you tonight? I'm fine. How about yourself? I'm just great. Thanks. So... uh, I know you're, you're you're an avid bow hunter. We'll just yes, jump in here. Uh, there's a there's a whole pile of people that may say, do does the traditional bow work better than the compound bow? It's it's a debate that's been around for I, I don't know I want to say hundreds of years, uh, if not many years uh, since since the conception of the the compound bow, obviously. Right. Yeah, and you're you're walking proof uh, for the most part because, uh, geez, you uh, you've got an extensive species uh, list there that you had harvested. So, tell us a little bit about some of your uh, your hunting activities uh, with the bow, Roger. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah, like probably like, uh, and and I guess this probably applies to everybody. But time frames and stuff like that would probably be more specific to Nova Scotia because that's that's where I hunt it. So probably in the mid '80s is is when bow hunting seemed to really catch on in in Nova Scotia. Uh, probably a little a few years later than that, and I think primarily what gave the people that little kick to get into it is when we, you could hunt with a bow for a long time. Um, but you had to use the same season. There was no additional tag. But in around that time frame, what I get interested in is when they first brought in the early archery season in Nova Scotia. In New Brunswick had had it and stuff for a little while. But uh, when they brought in that early season, and other than making bows when I was a kid, I had never shot a bow before, but it was like, if there's a, if there's a two-week extra season, uh, I'm going to be I'm gonna be a part of it. So, so uh I uh, just mail ordered a bow. There was there was no real bow shops around, or if there was, I, I, I actually I should there was, but I wasn't familiar with any of them. So I just uh, mail ordered a bow from a, a defunct company now that was called Bowhunters Discount Warehouse, <clears throat> and uh, I got a uh, horribly uh, mis- mismatched bow that didn't fit me and was like just way too heavy for me to draw. So, so anyways, we stumbled around with that for a while and uh, I eventually did shoot a deer with it. And uh, the first deer I shot with it, I was, I was just hooked, right? So sometimes I got into it a little bit more and then I, uh, I realized that I could do much better. So I, which, which is what I would advise everyone to do is I, I went to a local shop and I got some uh, professional advice and direction and stuff. So I was suited. I had a bow that suited me much better. So it, instantly like my grouping got better just every everything got better so you know we we hunted with that for quite a while and then uh, and then for some reason i just decided to try up 
traditional archery. I just always liked recurves. I just liked the way they looked. I liked the way they felt. I, uh, I, I just like organic things. I, I like wood, right? When I, and I mean, some of these new recurve bows and traditional bows, I mean, it's not made by a, a single person anymore. They're CNC'd and stuff like that. But, but when I, just me personally, when I see a recurve bow or a long bow, I just envision some person, you know, in a little shop making that with his hand. When I see a compound bow, um, I, I envision a factory, right? For, that's, that's just me. So anyways, I got into a recurve bow and um, I struggled with that a little bit through that summer. Just, just, it was just so different. But, it, but anyways, over the years, we, uh, we uh, managed to take a few animals with it and uh, I, I just can't, I just can't go back. I, I just enjoy, I enjoy shooting it. I, if I, I shoot it almost every day. Right. So that, that's kind of how I got into it. Uh, now, that's that's wood. That's not fiberglass. Because if I recall correctly, back in the, the uh, mid to late '80s, they came out with fiberglass recurves. Roger, correct? It, probably even before that, there was there was fiberglass recurves. You can probably you can probably still buy one, but but mine are wood. Um, like my 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 newest and kind of my best ball, my Black Widow ball. It it's a wooden bow, but I mean, it is fiberglass back. Like there's a clear coat of fiberglass over it. Right. So it's not just, uh, purely wood. Um, I do, I do hunt with a bow and a, a bow that's just wood. Generally they call them like self bows. There's no fiberglass backing on it or anything. It's just a piece of, just a piece of wood. And, uh, I, I have hunted with that quite a bit as well, but I mean, even with my modern recurve, and this is mostly because of me, you could stretch that out, but, 20 yards is, is my, is my limit on shooting at a, at a, any kind of game animal. The self bow that I'm using is it's more like 15 yards. Right. So, so it's even like, you know, the next notch up it's, it's, it's more like it, it doesn't have any kind of rest. The arrow sits on my hand. It's a, it's a real tough thing to hunt with, but it's like everything, you know, reward, reward versus risk. You know, when you, when you do it the hard way and, you know, there might be years go by, you don't shoot anything with it, but when you do, it just, it's just nice, right? So with the rain curve, what, uh, what type of, uh, I guess, broadhead are you using, Roger? Are oh. you using a traditional style broadhead or are you using something more modern and mechanical or? No, 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 definitely uh, with a... Uh, recurve bow because i shoot a, i shoot a lower poundage like there's there's people out there who can shoot a higher poundage but i shoot a lower poundage and most people will like i like just last fall when i was hunting when i did that cape buffalo hunt, i shot a 70 pound compound bow and i mean my recurve bow is under 50 pounds it's 48 pounds and i tried to shoot up to a 60 pound to take it and i couldn't do it so you almost always most people like i'm going to say 99 percent of the people will shoot a much lower poundage recurve bow so anyways long story short on the uh, broadheads i like uh and again there again it depends on what kind of arrow i use if i if i'm using a wooden arrow which is what i i just really like that because I, I like wood um, so I would use a glue on point, like you would just kind of sharpen the point of the arrow to, to a point, and then you would, you glue the broadhead on. Um, but 
I've also switched to shooting some carbon arrows out of a recurve bow, in which case the broadhead is like screw on. So that's a more modern type uh, broadhead fitting, but I use what they call like a cut on impact broadhead. Like a, a lot of uh, uh, people that shoot bows with, with compounds, they'll use like a, uh, if you look at the point, it's like a chisel tip, like it's not blade right to the end. If there's a there's a point like a piece of steel and then then there's like i don't know maybe a few eighths of an inch before your blades start but i've got a couple here and i don't know if you'll be able to see this or not but like you see it's blade it's blade right to the very tip of the broadhead like so as soon as it hits it's cutting right and that that will out penetrate because if you have a like a steel point on before the blade, it takes a lot more energy to poke that steel through than it does a blister and sharp broadhead, right? So with a lower poundage bow, I always use a cut on impact. So as soon as it hits, it starts cutting, saves some energy because I'm I'm pretty low, low energy. Like I'm gonna kind of guess at some of these numbers, but some of these new modern uh, compound bows, um, I bet you they're like, 340 feet per second and even with my black widow recurve bow which is arguably like one of the best recurves out there that it's like harley davidson's there's all kinds of opinions but it's a pretty respected bow like i'm down around 170 feet a second with my arrow right so these these save a lot of energy when that bolt when that arrow strikes you're not using what valuable energy you have so you can get like uh, proper penetration um Another thing I found about traditional archery and broadheads on uh, game animals <clears throat> is you won't be able to see it, but on these broadheads, I like a, and I don't, I won't get in the names because there's all kinds of good, you know, but I like ones, well, one, they always cut on impact and two, the, um, the very tip of it is, is reinforced. Like it's just a little bit thicker. They, they build it up a little bit and, nothing scientific or anything but i don't know how many animals i've shot and i've seen shot with with uh traditional archery i find uh sometimes if you hit a bone like even even a white tail rib which is it's a pretty small rib it's not a very heavy bone but with minimal with minimal weight like like out of a lot of uh, recurve bows or traditional bows in general i find sometimes that tip of that arrow because it's it's like it, it's blister and sharp it's like a knife so it's thin if it hits bone even a white tail bone sometimes it'll bend back a little bit and i've just noticed when recovering an animal and i'll be like oh that arrow didn't i didn't get like the greatest penetration and and when i pull that out on the and this is just what i've experienced i haven't really kept detailed records um but I'll notice that the tip of it is just just peeled back a little bit and that just kills your penetration like once that thing is bent back a little bit it's just it's just blunt so i, I always go with that with that kind of cut on impact um and you know like never's a long time but i i would say most traditional archers probably prefer this type of uh, broadhead right like a cut on impact because it's, it's just it's just easier right and and something i played with last year and they're they're incredible and i don't have a ton of experience with them but i tried like if you look at this broadhead mm -hmm. uh, it, 
it's sharp on both sides. Like it's you, like if I was to sharpen this broadhead, I'd sharpen this side, flip it over and sharpen that side. So it's like a double, like a double bevel broadhead. <clears throat> so these ones I played with and they were for Cape Buffalo. So the broadhead alone was 315 grains. Like the whole arrow was a thousand. Now people who don't, I mean, that's almost double a lot of arrow weights. It's, it's incredibly, it's incredibly happy, uh, um, heavy. But so these things, these single bevel broadheads, one, one, it's sharpened on, th on this side right here on the top and on the other side, it's only sharpened on the bottom. Like you don't sharpen both sides of it. You know how, when you sharpen a hunting knife, you do one side and then you do the other. Well, this is, this is just the opposite. The top on this side is done and the bottom on that side is done. So <clears throat> most arrows, well, a, a lot of compound, I'm mostly talking traditional now. Compound guys used to, but they've kind of got away with it with like straight fletch, like straight feathers or veins. But so most, uh, the idea is you, you would put a little bit of a helical into your fletching so that would cause your arrow to spin. So as it's it's like throwing a football, it, it just makes it go a little bit straighter. So on a broadhead like this, if I'm explaining this correctly, what causes that arrow to spin is the feathers. Like the feathers have a slight wrap around it. So they, when they go through the air, they drag and it, and it spins. So, but these single bevels, like I was saying, one on top and one on bottom, that's the shape of it that makes it spin. So in a normal double, most like 90% of what people use, when your arrow's spinning, 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 and th this broadhead has been used, so you still be careful, but it's, I'm a little bit less careful, it's, it's dull. Like this is taking an animal and I only ever use them once, right? So when it, with, when your arrow is spinning with most broadheads, when it hits the animal, your spin stops because it's the forward motion of the feathers that are doing it. But these single bevels I've been talking about, even after they hit the animal, just because of the shape of them, top and bottom, they continue to spin. So you get like a huge uh, wound channel and they will split bone like those. They will split like it's just like a like a wedge with an axe when you're chopping wood, you know, like you split it and, mm -hmm. and they're just they're incredible. I, I swear by them now, like. And, and I've only shot one animal with it, but it was a Cape Buffalo. But I've done, like when I was going on that Cape Buffalo hunt, because a Cape Buffalo bow hunt is, uh, it's pretty serious business. Like they can, they're, they're mean and, and we, we spot and stalked. And uh, so, so I did a lot of research and I spoke to like bow hunters literally all over the world. And uh, so I'm a big fan now of the single bevel broadheads, right? So that's about it for broadheads in a nutshell, right? Um, Cut on impact and and built strong is a good good recipe for traditional bows, right? Gotcha. Now we had a couple of uh, viewers here. Uh, North Shore Guide Services, great guide, very hard ethical hunter. Uh, Moose Hunting Canada, great podcast guys. Roger knows his archery hunting. I, I've heard of them before. Yeah, so have I. So thanks for the. The comments, guys, any other viewers that wish to ask Roger a question, it's more than welcome. Then uh, I'll get it up here on uh, on screen there for uh, anybody that wants to ask questions in regards to archery for the most part. Uh, so uh, I know, Roger, you've, you've had many hunting 
uh, outdoor adventures, I guess I could say. Uh, now, with that, uh, I, I've displayed a few photos here. And uh, if you want, uh, uh, you should be able to see them there too. Uh, maybe you can elaborate on each hunt uh, and uh, uh, explain what uh, what piece of equipment you used, obviously. Now, I, I believe I've seen uh, a newer style recurve bow in one photo that I had brought up there. But uh, but uh, right now, uh, just uh, that, that, as we uh, we go through the photos here a little bit. Sure. Yeah, that that picture that's up there is in uh, Wyoming. I've been I've hunted that pronghorn twice. And, you know, knock on woods, the hunting god smiled, and I've taken two with uh, with archery with traditional archery. Um, that bow there is is my modern Black Widow recurve, right? Um, and I would have used, uh, it's 48, it's only 48 pounds, right? And uh, success rate for archery is uh, fairly low for uh, those animals, but uh, I hunt it with a great outfitter and uh, they know their stuff. And uh, their big key, besides being good guides and growing up in that country, and, and they control 70,000 acres. I mean, oh, yeah. that's just a phenomenal oh, yeah. amount of, uh, property that they control but any, but anyways um i've i've heard it said or i've read i should say uh where i was hunting in in uh, all of the usa um there's like uh 80% of the antelope are within like 400 miles and i was hunting right in the heart of it and this particular ranch their big big attraction out there is uh they have water so we hunt, you hunt mostly water holes. That's all you do is you hunt over water holes. Um, so some of the other land and other ranches, they don't hold water all the time. So long story short, the drier it is out there, the better your chances are for getting one from 20 yards with, with a bow because they have to, they have to come, they have to come to that water. So you can kind of set up like a, like a bear bait, you know, he's, he's going to come there because they, they have, they have to have water. Right. So quick, quick, quick note on the antelope hunting. It's a, it's a beautiful I, if i had enough money i would i would go every year this sage grass that you can see in the picture when you get out of the truck i mean you can smell it it just it just gets right in your soul like i can close my eyes and i can i can still smell that sage grass and like i say i would go there every every single year um so here, here's what they do with this ranch um you uh, you get up in the morning uh, they have a breakfast made for you. So you sit around like most hunting camps and you chat with the other hunters and <clears throat> um, you uh, get ready to head out in the morning. So then what they do is they have this table off to the side uh, in another room actually. And there's just every form of snack and cold meat and whatnot in, uh, cause it's, it'll be like a hundred degrees there. So that's the toughest thing about antelope hunting is sitting in that blind all day at a hundred degrees. I mean, it can be a long day but anyways so you then they have big pack coolers there and you make you make your lunch for the day you just get whatever you want i mean you can just eat all like twinkies and junk food or you can make sandwiches and water hydration is very important so then you go and i mean it's your hunt you can you can do whatever they want but generally there's no sense hiring a guide and then not listening to them antelope are kind of odd um simply because they they're not any really more active at daylight or dark, you know, like white tails a little bit doesn't mean you can't kill the biggest buck of your life at noontime, but basically in the morning and before dark, they're a little bit more. 
th these aren't like I, I don't know they're just like great white shark they just go where they want to at the moment so anyways long story short is what they told me was at some point in a 24-hour period those antelope are going to water we can't tell you if it's at seven o'clock in the morning or one o'clock in the afternoon right so key is the thing is is seat time the longer you're in the blind the better your odds are so you you pack your lunch the uh guides take you out and they put you in a blind and um and you're just there till dark right and uh cell phones getting a little better now so they'll drive around and and you can see in wyoming i mean you can see till tomorrow so every once in a while on the horizon, you'll see the truck and they'll send you a text seeing, make sure you're okay and you wanna go out if you wanna come out or if you or if you killed one, right? So they come by about every couple hours and check. So the I'm getting a little off track, but the, the thing there is what they'll tell you because these antelope are so smart is it, they know water's danger, <laughs> but they have to drink, right? So, so after you shoot one is you don't get out of the blind like like sometimes uh people will shoot one and get all excited and they'll go out of the blind well they'll say that blind's no good now for like two weeks right but yet they're so used to it's like you drive them uh you see whitetail in a field and the farmer goes past it in the tractor and they barely lift their head but you know if you tried to sneak on them you get within 400 yards and they're gone well these things here are used to seeing the trucks pull up to the blinds and the water holes and stuff and it's nothing but if you if they see you hop out of that blind so anyway, you just sit there all day and uh when you shoot one you give them a text and they come and get it so it's a it's a just a super hunt it's almost like bear hunting because it's it's not tough on you like it's it's a pretty relaxing hunt and it's uh it's just awesome country right i'd go every year if i could and, and you know what it's uh, it's funny because i know when i was out in alberta down around consort alberta and Oyen. They had the, the antelope pronghorns yeah. down there, and I'll tell you, they're they're smart and they're a they horrible animal, yeah, for the most part. But uh, yeah. geez, when they see you, they're they're gone. They don't yeah. they don't stick around. But nope. uh, I I had one local out there on the job site that we were at many years ago. He took his pillowcase off his uh, camp bed and mm -hmm. white pillowcase. Yeah. He said, I can get within so many feet because he said, as long as it sees the white, it thinks it's the behind of the animal, he said. Yeah. And he said, they don't, he said, they're, they're kind of, but he said, as soon as they wind, he said, they're gone. Yeah. He said, they won't stick yeah. around. But yeah, yeah. But out there, I, it, it, it was very seldom you'd see them uh, not herded up. But uh, yes, but, yes. But in some cases, there you see singles out kicking around the field. And uh, yeah. they, they're, they're a smart animal, I must say. They, 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 they truly are. Um, I've read, we never tried it out there, but, um, uh, like I think some people, you know, they've actually flagged them in with, I guess a white rag, you know, just wave it and wave it. And mm -hmm. even though their eyes are good, I mean, their eyes are extremely good because that's their protection. Right. But, um, apparently that's been done. Well, they told me this and what I actually noticed with these, when you're sitting in blind where it's so open there, they're, when they'll come in uh, like you'll be sitting there and like i say you can see right clear till next week it's so clear there right and uh, and then all of a sudden you'll just see you're sort of shaking your head it's like you just see these little dots and you're like is that even a you know is, is that even something and eventually the dot gets a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger kind of like when you're staring at this guy duck hunting you know when you first see it you're like is that even a duck and anyways long story short as i found because i was like well how am i going to get a shot at these things from like 15 yards right and I mean, like any wild animal, you have to be careful. But 
they said, you know, they're the most alert out from that blind at about 200 yards. And every animal I saw, they came at about 200 yards. And some of them, I mean, they stayed at 200 yards for three hours, right? Okay. They said, but that's their safety zone. Once they, once they kind of stop and check that out and then they come in, you've kind of fooled them. Like you've kind of beat them at their own game. It's, and they're much more relaxed, right? They're more, they're more leery of anything at like 200 yards than even at like 20 yards, right? So anyways, great, great hunt. I'd go every year if I could, right? Oh, uh, these, 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 yeah. When I, my first trip to Africa, that's what I wanted more than, more than anything. I said, I'll forgo everything. You just take me to an area that has, has these and Yala, right? And uh, so I've, I've, I've written about it and talked about it, but I was about three quarters asleep and I was kicked back in my blind like this and I was really fighting the whole sleep and eventually my eyes just closed and, and I didn't hear nothing or see anything. And it, and it was kind of like in a pit blind, like we were down in the dirt, like we were about three feet in a, in a hole and then they had a little a dome over it. Right. So I was kicked back and I don't know if you can see it on these pictures, but the two ivory tips of those black jet black horns and then the two ivory tips. Well, I was sitting back and I just opened my eyes and I just saw the two tips going past the blind. I was like, holy jeez. And, and then my bow was in the corner and, and you know how when you first wake up and, you know, buck fever or whatever, like just trying to get out of the chair, like every move, it felt like my feet had like 100 pound weights on them or whatever, right? But anything, the, the thing was pretty patient and he hung around and uh, shot him. And well, there's, you can see the broken arrow in the quiver and, uh, when I hit him, I, I just I just drew the bow and it just it just felt perfect. And when I let it go, I saw the arrow strike and he took off and they're they're pretty big. They're light. They're thin. They're not as heavy as they look, but they're tall, like they're they're an imposing looking animal. And when he ran and he went like 50, 60, 75 and then he stopped and I was like, oh, geez, what's going on? Right. And then he started doing the dance and he went down and they can be, I mean, they're not like big boned or nothing like Cape Buffalo, but they can, I mean, they can be pretty tough, but the outfitter said, Oh, he went down fast. I seen him go down and he never got, I seen him fall and there was some high grass and he never got back up and we just walked right over to him. So yeah, really, really just a, just a beautiful animal, like uh, just in, insane. And, and I, I should mention, I guess, not that it matters so much, but it matters to me a little bit. Uh, obviously when you're in Africa, you, you can't bring the meat back home. I mean, even if you had deep enough pockets, I, I don't know if you could get it home where it would still be fit to eat, right? So, so the two trips I've been to Africa, and in Africa, you shoot a lot of animals compared to like here, you know, you might hunt a season and get one or two if you're lucky. Um, there in a week, you can you can stack them up pretty good, right? And uh, we we ate off of every animal we killed over there. Um, obviously, we couldn't eat the whole thing. Uh, in rural Africa, which is where I spent my two, like in one day was a 10 day trip. So I, I've spent about like 18 days there, which, which really is nothing, but um, uh just beautiful people i mean just that like just fantastic right um like we were uh camped out by a couple village and you just hear the kids the children laughing and playing down there and and it's a totally different thing than you might get from tv or or, or whatever again though i was only there for 18 days i mean i'm just giving you my experience 
could be dead wrong. But um, but just just beautiful. La like never seen them laugh so much and so happy. And uh, again, I'm speaking in the rural country. I I don't know about the cities. Probably totally different. I'm not I'm not sure though. But uh, when I, my point is, it's it's a hard life over there for for everybody, especially for some of the. Uh, the local people, there's not a lot of work and whatnot. And uh, uh, protein is uh, hard to get over there. So every single animal that we shot, uh, every ounce of that meat went to use. Uh, we we ate what we could. I mean, we just gorged on it. You know, we were we were having like buffalo steaks for breakfast. <laughs> you know, and, uh, but the rest of it uh, went to the butcher and was all processed. And every every ounce of it went to uh, the local villages right no i mean protein scarce over there so they're they're very happy to get it i don't get to bring it home and eat it and share it with my friends but it, there's a misconception of you know trophy hunting or, or or whatever and it seems especially bad in africa you know that label that um but i've been there twice and both times before i went i said can i donate that I mean there's a that's what we do with it we 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 don't let any of it go to waste right so I just feel like, that's great for you. I mean, a lot of people think, you know, oh, you're just going to Africa to shoot, you know, and bring a set of horns home or whatever. I'm, I'm not really even a horn, a horn guy. Like, uh, uh, I, I love all that stuff, but like, oh, those are, those are on his lodge of his wall. Like I never brought any antlers home. Right. You know, the only, the only thing I did get is off the Cape Buffalo. Cause the, the hide is just the most gorgeous hide. It's crazy, crazy thick and supple. And anyways, I'm, I am having a bow case made out of the uh, buffalo that I got. That, and that's the only trophy that I brought home. I gave all the meat away, ate what I could. So it's a it's a it's a good deal for the the local the local people for sure. And, and you know what, Roger? I'm glad you mentioned that. Because uh, a lot of people always have that conception, right, or misconception there on things. And yeah. A lot of people don't realize for for a lot of the meat to come to Canada, you know, at some point it has to enter in the USA. Then right. from there it has to enter into Canada and and the documentations and whatnot. By the time it hits Canada, it's like you said, it's spoiled due to the fact there that you can't get it in Canada fast yeah. enough because of the the, the CFIA guidelines uh, that are uh, yeah. forward on, on hunters. Yeah. And then you got CITES permits, and then you have a number of other permitting issues that you have to go yeah. through and, and inspections for disease yeah. control. Yeah. So, so it's great to know that it, uh, it it goes to the communities because as you see there on uh, a lot of things, uh, uh, medias and whatnot, uh, locals in, the, in that area don't, uh, don't have it all uh, it's painted out to be for the most part no uh, in the no. rural areas no so, no yeah, kudos to you guys for uh for, for doing yeah that. and and we we uh we both places i went were two different two different professional hunters or guides outfits uh i i i made sure of it i said can you do and they're like oh yeah for sure right so so we i mean we we pay to process it and give it away right so we're not all bad guys like we could you know it, it leaves it leaves its mark there right and the people i've gotten know in south africa right now with this current shutdown or lockdown with the covid whatever um they are full-time professional hunters like it's not a 
they don't have a day job. Like this is how they make their living is hunting every single day. And they're in dire straits right now. <laughs> like, you know, like I ran a little guiding business, right? Um, and I didn't do it for nothing for, you know, but I mean, if it didn't, if I didn't have a single hunter, that's not where my grocery money came from. But these guys, they're, they're in dire straits right now, right? This, it's a, and, and, and it's the same old trickle down, you know, when they're not working, like the local trackers and skinners and the meat plants aren't working. And, uh, well, I guess, I guess other places, but in Africa, cause that's what we're talking about. I mean, hunting is an industry. It's not like a, it's not like a, you know, it's comparable to like fishing here. It, it's a, it's a legit industry, right? So it's a tough time for all hunters, right? All, all out professional outfitters. Roger, what you've done there with the meat and that, I know you just mentioned there uh, that, uh, that you guys paid the processing fees, obviously, yeah. for that. That's yeah. similar to what we do here in Nova Scotia for Feed Nova Scotia. Yep, exactly, yeah. The, the hunter takes it to a licensed uh, butching, butcher facility. It's processed. The hunter pays that, and then they yep. can give him a portion to Feed Nova Scotia. So it's almost similar, uh, similar yep. in nature, obviously. Yeah, yep, uh, exactly. Over in Africa, I, I want to mention this as well. There's a lot of uh, high-dollar conservation fees paid. Huge. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, uh, I assume so on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's areas now where uh, a, a, native animals were almost were almost wiped out through like ranching and stuff like that. Right. And uh, they cut down all the nor the native uh, grass and burned it off and stuff like that. And, and that's what they eat. Right. But now, now that hunt, there's just huge, it's as it's wild. I mean, it's wild again. And all the, uh, that they stop, uh, overgrazing cattle and stuff like that. The, the natural grass, it just, it comes back. Right. And so the animals are, uh, flourishing, right. You know, there's a, there's a lot about hunting Africa. That's, that's kind of misunderstood over here. It's a totally, totally different model than North American hunting, but it's been nothing but good for the animals and, and I've been there and that's a fact. <laughs> well, you know what? It's good to know. Cause I know the comments from viewers will, uh, will no doubt come in and ask that very question. Now, yeah. Yeah. uh, this is, uh, one of your moose hunts, I guess. It looks like it's from the seventies the or eighties. Uh, yeah. You know what? I, I, it was, uh, early, early eighties. Right. Um, it was a, it was a rifle hunt. I, uh, I did bow hunt them, but just couldn't, just couldn't seal the deal. Like <clears throat> we could see, we could see them. We just couldn't, we couldn't get them into uh, 25 yards or whatever. <clears throat> I was using a compound back in those days. Right. So um, on this particular morning, it was a fly in camp and it was great setup flying camp. And there was all the lit well, the pond, they call them ponds, but I call them lakes. Um, so we flew in, got dropped off. But then just through a short walk, because there's, there's a pond, you know, Newfoundland is just covered in lakes. And But every lake had a canoe in it or a boat. So we could just hike, hop in a boat, go, hike in a boat, go, right? And, uh, and uh, well, I, I'm still kind of impatient, you know? Like, I'm not, like, the big trophy guy. <laughs> like, I just, you put something decent in front of me, and odds are I'm, I'm going to do it, right? Yeah. So, so this particular morning, we uh, – well, the, the night before was a super late night because 
we went in, we, we hiked into a spike camp and it was rough. It was rough. I mean, me and the other hunter were freezing and the Newfoundland guys were there like, whoo, it's kind of warm in here. <laughs> They're just tough. They're just tough as nails. Right. But so anyways, it was a super experience. So that evening, just before dark, we went out and the guy who was with me wasn't, I went by myself. He wasn't like a friend or whatever. He was just some other hunter. <clears throat> and, uh, he was an older fella and I, I don't think he was in very, very good shape because what we were actually chasing a couple of we trying to get in like to shooting range on a couple of bulls. Um, he was having leg cramps and at one point he was throwing up and the guys were kind of worried that he was, you know, like real sick. He's like, Oh no, this happens to me all the time. So while we were having one of the breaks for him, two guides one for him one for me and then my guide said you know like roger he said like well well this was newfoundland in the early 80s he's like well we'll get you a moose he says but you know you, you got to let this guy kill the moose because he's like he's not going to be able to walk in the morning right so i was fine so so he killed he killed the moose so that was a late night but no mo no machines back then it all came out on our back so it was a late night so the very next morning we're going we're, we're going up this lake paddling up this lake just beautiful and I, I mean, it was like pure wilderness to me. I'd never seen anything so so incredible in my life. And I was just enjoying life, paddling up in the remote lake in Newfoundland. And uh, <clears throat> the guy put up his glasses and and he's like, holy Lord, jumping this and that and the other thing. He's like, what a bull, right? And I put up my glasses and I, you know, I probably had like some, and I'm not knocking the store, but I probably had like Canadian tire glasses or something. I, I couldn't see nothing. All I could see was fog. So he lent me his and there was a bull there, just monstrous bull. He said, we're going after that. So as we get going, we get going and, and uh, we're calling and calling and there's bulls grunting back. All the, the hills were echoing with bulls grunting, right? And uh, long, long story short, I always make my stories too long. But roughly, we got from where we had last seen the big monster bull. We got probably halfway to it, and uh, this guy was there. This guy was just there, dumb as a fence post, like 100 yards away, <laughs> just standing there. And he put his guides up, and he's like, yeah, he's, 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 his glasses up. And he's like, yeah, he's, he's kind of younger, but he says he's, he's kind of wide. He says, you know, he says, I tell you to shoot that on Thursday. I said, what day is it? He said, Tuesday. <laughs> I was like, that's good <laughs> enough, right? <laughs> and uh, – so we got him right, and there's a part of me that wishes I would have tried for the big guy, or like I, you know, because he was he was massive, right? But but I was I was happy with him. I, it was a great it was a great trip, right? You know. Sometimes meat in the freezer is better than no meat. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. You go and you got like five six days to do it. It's not like at home, you know. That's uh, that was the year before or two years before the the moose, and. The funny story about this caribou is this I've, I've killed two caribou one with a bow and and one with this rifle here and uh so what what, what caliber rifle is that right seven mag seven mag oh wow yeah 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 and uh so the first time i ever went to newfoundland i was 19 went to newfoundland another true story first time i was, I was 19 didn't didn't know i still don't know nothing but i just booked a trip and went and and all by myself and uh, I flew in. So they met me at the airport and uh, I, I was, I was like 160 pounds, just a kid. And uh, literally, I'm not lying. Other than the people working, we flew into Stephenville and I don't know, like 12 o'clock at night or it was late at night anyways. And uh, 
eventually the buddy said, uh, the outfitter said, I'll be there. My wife will be there to meet you. And there was like just two of us left standing around looking at it. And she walked out. She's like, are you Roger? I said, yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, she's like, oh, she says, usually the guys we get like the average age is like 60 or something. Right. So anyways, that's besides the point. So, but the year before when I was there, we, I was, I just had a moose license. I just want to shoot a moose. Right. And uh, just got a moose license and that was it. And uh, so we go, well, we don't even go a quarter of a mile from the camp. And I saw something gray, like kind of just ghost between two trees. And I tapped the guy and he was in front of me. And I said, I just saw something, but I, I said, I don't think it was a moose. I said, I think it was caribou. Or no, I said, I don't think it was a moose. And he said, oh, he says, probably just an old caribou. And I was like, caribou? You guys have caribou here, right? He's like, oh yeah, there, well, you'll see hundreds of them, he said, right? And uh, and I said, and, and can you hunt them? Oh yeah, he says you just had to buy a license. And I was like, and, and nobody told me, <laughs> like, right? So the very next year I went back and that's when I got that fella. See, again, I didn't realize, you know, that that was the good old days back then. Um, um I can't even I can't even tell a lie. That particular trip was Monday morning, and like it's just breaking dawn, and that was the first, and it's a small caribou, but it was the first first stag caribou I saw, and I was like. I'm taking them. <laughs> the guy was like, "Oh, we'll see bigger caribou." I said, "No, we're not." And I said, "Well, we'll see that one, right?" And uh, so, and then then I hunted the rest of the week for moose, and we just saw some monster stag. That's when caribou were like uber plenty, plenty, and we just saw some smasher caribou, and I wound up with that one. But hey, I was I was happy with it, right? And, you know, to me, it was like exotic, right? It's it's, it's hard, hard, hard to change, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And tell us about this one, Roger. Warthog. And that is, um, and, and you probably literally know, or anybody who's watching know as much about uh, warthogs as I did that morning. But um, I've, I've learned a little bit about them now, and I've seen hundreds of them now in two trips. But that's a that's an absolute smasher, that warthog. Like, they measure them this way, like, 14, and he's 14 inches. And, like, 10 and up. 12 is a, is a toad, just an absolute toad. And that guy was, that guy was 14. And, and, uh, I didn't even know that it was that good of animal when I shot it, or I, I probably would have missed, right. I was like, Oh yeah, that one's got some big tusks compared to what else I'd seen. Right. And, uh, they can be tough too. And that was, again, that was a 48 pound black widow and uh, cut the, one of these broadheads here. And, um, um, he he did go a little ways, but like they kind of have a shield. I, I don't know if you'd really call it that, but they've got like because they fight so much. So in behind their shoulder, right where you want to aim, they kind of got a little bit of a, a protective shield, probably to stop them from getting hooked by that. And uh, like I say, forty-eight pounds with the right cut-on impact broadhead, and and I mean I, uh, it, it eventually passed right through them, right, which was which is pretty good for like some compound bows won't pass through him. So, and he was just an absolute, just an absolute smasher that, yeah. That's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, he was, a, he was a good one, right? And now that I know a little bit more about him, I, I mean, I mean, they shoot bigger. He's not the biggest one in the world, but I mean, uh, I might hunt the rest of my life and never see another animal, another warthog like that, right? Uh, Impala, now I'm going to say, I'm going to, kind of call impala the uh uh 
you know, the Blue Jays of Africa, if they weren't so common, I mean, they're so spectacular. It's like a Blue Jay. It's just the most gorgeous bird, but they're so common that you don't really even, an antelope are almost like that. They're just, they're just an insanely impressive, impressive, beautiful animal. They kind of, they kind of bark or roar a little bit. And uh, this, this is a good one. Um, they aged him through teeth. He was 14 years. He was definitely on the decline, but he was, uh, uh, all actually every African animal that we've seen so far, they've all made the books like the uh, Roland Ward and the uh, SEO. Oh, wow. I, I didn't, ent I didn't enter them because I'd rather save my money for another hunt than put my name in a book or whatever. That's just, that's just the way I roll. But they all made, uh, they all made uh, both books easily. Right. Yeah. He that's a real smasher. And I think my favorite thing of that is this. Every time I look back at that and I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about, but just the way the sun was setting and stuff like that, you know, like when I'm just looking at that picture now, I can, I can smell and sense like I'm right there just looking at that picture, the way the sun setting and stuff, it was just, and then, and then after we loaded them, we had a, like a four wheel or a, a, a side by side. And uh, we had about a two or three mile drive back in, and in, in Africa, sunsets last for like hours it's just golden like that forever and we're just driving in this open air little buggy and uh, you know and there's all these different smells and there's animals running and and it was it was just quite literally the happiest day of my life it was just like this is living i mean it was it was fantastic right definitely your comment here from terry yeah. smith Roger has been good caribou two years ago. Yes, with I was I was uh, Carrie let me tag along on a uh, caribou hunt, and uh, oh, you wouldn't even believe you wouldn't even believe the caribou he let go. I mean, just record book all the way. I mean, all the way, all the way. Right? I was I was literally begging him to shoot them. I was like, Terry, shoot that caribou or my head is going to pop, right? It's like, oh, no, we can do a little bit better, right? You know, something like that. So, yeah, that was uh, that was fun. We went through snowstorm. Actually, I, I hunted caribou twice. Once Terry had the tag, or I hunted with them. Once Terry had the tag and once Lisa had the tag. I, I think, uh, I hope Terry's still watching or listening. Um, those caribou that Terry passed up just, you just, they would make you sick. I mean, they were monsters, right? I tell them all the time, your biggest mistake you ever made was not shooting them caribou, right? And uh, but Lisa, two years before that, or the year before, I lose track, she killed like a smasher caribou. I don't know where it where it wound up, but I I know it made record books. I mean, it was it was a it was a monster. And there's a little piece of me in the back of my mind that I think Terry just wanted a bigger one than Lisa's. That's that's what I think. <laughs> That's the only. There's no other explanation in the world why he wouldn't have shot those caribou. I mean, Chuck Adams would have shot them. And, and, and you know what? Uh, no one, Terry. Terry didn't want to be shown up. I'm starting to wonder, right? You know what? But, but you know, at the end of the week, he didn't use his tag. Happiest guy in camp, right? So that's the secret, right there. Right. You, you give one hundred and ten percent and you bust your butt and bust your back and you go without sleep and you walk 20 miles. And then you figure if I walk two more, I might get another one. So you, you try your best. But at the end of the day, it's all about the experience. Not getting an animal is nothing. If you can if you can do that, you're ahead of the game. Right. 
and that's it. I've uh, I've seen some uh, some women hunters in that uh, out, and uh, you know what? They passed on moose. Uh, they've uh, and you know what? It's they were more happy at the end of the day just with the fact there that they got to spend time with their friends and yeah. they were out in nature, fresh air, and they're away from city life. It, yeah, it, it, it's it's mind blowing, right? Uh, that uh, sometimes people pass things up, uh, but you know yeah. what? To each their own, right? It's uh, oh, 100 percent, 100 percent, right? Yeah, it's, it's the way it is. And uh, if they pass it up and they don't use a tag, well, hey, that's the way I see it is that's just an added bonus to the conservation. There's there's no question there, you're ahead of you're way ahead of the game, you know, like if uh, if the only time you're happy is uh, have a good hunt is when you uh, punch your tag. You're going to have a lot more bad hunts than you are good hunts. Oh, <laughs> right? yeah, that's for sure. A lot least, more fun memories with friends and that too, taking part, I find. That. No question. There's no question. Like the, I was just talking about caribou and those caribou, right? I always joke, said, Terry, you should have shot that caribou, man. And to this day, sometimes I'll still send him a picture of some magazine caribou and I'll like, you passed up a bigger one than that, right? Just, just, <laughs> just to bug them, right? But uh, it was it was a golden, I, I enjoyed that five days or four days, whatever it was. Now keeping up with Terry in the woods is that's a whole other issue right there. Cause that, that guy can walk. Oh, well, this, I'm sure he did, he's got a big stride when it comes to walking. He does. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of uh, big, the black bear here in this photo, uh, Roger, I, I'm pretty sure that's bigger than Terry ever shot. Uh, well, no, 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 no. I I've seen a couple of the bears Terry killed, and they're uh, they're whoppers, right? They're 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 whoppers. This whole bear here, and I think I've shot. I've never shot a bear with anything but a bow, and I I'm like just thirty something bears I've shot, right? And then I've probably guided people to another seventy five or something, right? Been around a lot, a lot of bears, and. Um, so I'm only I'm only saying this to kind of justify it. This particular bear was a uh, a female, biggest female, one of the biggest females I've ever seen. Um, she was the only bear on that site the whole time we baited it, right through the summer, through till uh, hunting season. She 100% had no cubs. If there was even a sniff of it, I wouldn't have shot it. And uh, we figured it was it was a sow bear. And um, anyways, we weighed him on farm scale. We weighed her, I should say. And she was 333 pounds. That's a big boar, let alone a, a big bear, a big female, mm -hmm. right? And she was so fat. I wish I had way to show. I never saw a bear so fat in my life. Like when I saw her, like her legs were up in the air, like these upper legs when she was on her side just just giant and and i don't think she uh, just a total total guess but i don't think she ever had sow uh, ever had cubs sorry right she was all messed up and but she was really short like we noticed how short she was but we thought it was because she was so fat i mean a 333 pound weighed sow i see lots of 300 pound facebook bears that i i bet the farm they're not 250 right but we weighed this bear and and anyways when we processed her her she was like a hunchback her i wished i would have. i didn't even take pictures and i didn't say her spine 
was like an S, like a perfect, I mean, not like an S perfectly formed, but it definitely was S-shaped. And she was just all scrunched up and short. And um, I think there's ways you can do it, but that's way above my pay grade. But uh, I believe I believe she was kind of like never had, uh, never had uh, sows. Uh, sorry, I keep saying that. Never had cubs. And I think that was part of her size. Now I know uh, I see here uh, Butch Collins uh, sent us a message there. That's sow fold us uh, and size. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because because of the picture I put, we were putting. If I recall, we were putting like, hey, guess the weight on this bear or whatever, and people were like four hundred pounds or three hundred pounds or five hundred. I don't remember now, but she definitely. It definitely like you. I could show them, and and, and it's not just that's the best picture, obviously. Like you know, I'm not one of those. Like that is the best picture I have of her. Um, but like I'm touching her. I'm not a mile behind her. Uh, but literally every picture we have of her, she's big. You know how like you can manipulate photos to make it. But she was 333 pounds. That's that's all there is to her, right? And, and, and a good good way to gauge them is by looking at the the bait barrel. Uh, oh, as well. very best. Very so, so best. Some, some people say, look at the ears, obviously, right? The more rounded they are, the, the heavier the bear, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, now, I know Butch has uh, messaged here with a comment. Uh, how old was she, Roger? Yeah, I don't I don't know if we got an age on that bear, but I I, I don't I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you why, because I uh, I mean. I ran the I ran this bait every every week or whatever, but I got invited to an area, a friend, right? So he had a couple hunters at his camp. Um, so when they had their baits, right? And he's like, ah, oh, it's not fair to, you know, but if you want to come run a bait with me this year, but we'll just scoot outside of our range. So we set up a new site, right? Me, me and this guy. And uh as far as I know, he he submitted the tooth and everything because it was down his place where we hung it and skinned it and i don't know if we, if i ever got the age of it I, I i don't honestly know but i think butch mentioned the age thing because and there again i'm off track again when i was telling you about killing 30 bears or whatever i've i've only killed two sows and i knew they were both sows or i was like 90 percent sure they were sows sows when i shot them so i don't go around killing a bunch of sows like out of 30 bears or 33 or whatever it is I've, I've only killed two sows this is one of them and the other one that butch is asking about um i don't know where it's going to place but you know how you turn your tooth in for dnr so it, it's you know if it's wrong it's because dnr got it wrong so when i anyways long story short it was another big old sow not this big but and um she was 33 years old Oh wow, that's that is an old bear, yeah, 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 and uh, that's not a that's not a story. That's what D and they do it. You know, they send them to the same lab every year. Should be fairly consistent, and that's 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 what they told me, right? She didn't have a tooth left in her head. There's a story. She didn't have a single like she had like one or two of the canines, nothing in between. Her gums were bleeding and pussy, and she wasn't fit to eat. Only bear like. Even the hamburger was tough. Like you could put a roast in the slow cooker for a day and you still couldn't eat it. I mean, you just couldn't eat it. Right. So, so she was in, she was in bad shape and she was mean. And I always hate telling these stories because when I hear other people tell the exact same story, I almost roll my eyes, but all the bears I've been around, she was the only mean bear I ever seen in my life. Right. 
she would run at you like three nights she ran at me right but never made contact she had no i don't think she was ever but whether i was in danger or not she had my undivided attention so anyways both of these sow bears were nova scotia okay yeah yeah and uh this this one was she was just mean like i seen her chase off this is fall so there's no breeding going on <clears throat> like one one big boar i was gonna she run it off like just tore into it right she was just she just owned that bait and i didn't know right so anyways the first year we saw her the time yeah the first year that we noticed her on the same bait she had a cub so of course we couldn't shoot her but that was when she was taking the runs at me. Nothing to do with the cubs or nothing. It's not, it wasn't anything to do. She was just cranky. So this year when I shot her, um, the only thing when I shot her, I, I actually thought she didn't even react. She just, she just walked off. She just walked off just like she had enough food. Right. And, uh, when we found her, her teeth, her, she was we were almost scared to touch her around the mouth. It was so infected and not a teeth left. But I didn't know she was 33 years old. That's why. And, um, I think she was so defensive of that bait and run off bigger bears and even run at us a couple nights the year before. Um, I, I literally think that was her only food. <laughs> like, I think she was on her, she was on her way out. She was that poor. Yeah. Uh, uh, to save some time, because I know we got a lot of questions here. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll speed through some of the photos there, Roger. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, Butch, uh, yes, I was thinking of that old girl. Amazing. Yeah, I, I thought, I kind of thought he might have been, right? So, Butch, uh, Butch uh, cuts uh, all my meat up for me, so. Oh, wow. I got to uh, say, I got to say nice things about him. <laughs> No, you got to keep the, the butcher happy, right? Yeah, uh, he's, good. he's a good butcher. Whitetail deer. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, I'll make I'll make this one I'll make this one very quick, but not as quick as I'd like because there's a story. Um, so, and I'll go I'll go fast. One day I'm sitting here. I had just retired. My wife still had like a year and a half to, to work before she retired. So it was a Saturday morning, and we were sitting right at this table where I'm sitting now, and we were having coffee. And I was hunting every day through the week because she was going off to work every day and I was I was going hunting. So Saturday, I was like, oh, I better I'll stay home. I can hunt every day with her day off. I'll stay home kind of thing. So when we were having our coffee, it was eight o'clock in the morning. She said, uh, do you know, uh, she said. Uh, and and I grew up like hunting with my family and my dad and dad, best friend, you know, like a lot of people. Um, she said it was. Uh, and I don't even remember how long, but she said like it was like five years ago, your father died on this particular date. She said, you should just, you should go hunting, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'll just, just go hunting, right? <clears throat> so I picked the furthest stand. It was like two canoe paddles, like two lakes. It was two lakes over, big portage, dragon stuff, right? And I just wanted the farthest away place because it's on a big hardwood hill and you can see the lake. And it was just a beautiful place. It had nothing to do with the deer. It was just a place I wanted to go, just to go on that day. And it had been a few years since my father had passed away. So literally it wasn't like sad time. It was just like a reflection. It was almost happy. Like, you know, it wasn't like it happened the year before and I was all broke. It was just like, just a spot to go. So anyways, all I'd been seeing at that bait on my trail camera was a couple small bucks and some does and fawns. So we were talking about different types of bows earlier this bow here 
is a self bow. That's just a piece of wood with nothing else. The, the handle is a piece of wet spruce root. Wet, it was soaked and then wrapped around it. Like the handle's just spruce and the arrow sits on my hand. That's it, right? Antler, it's just a piece of wood. It's just, there's no fiberglass, nothing on it, right? So on just, just because of the day it was, I was like, hmm, you know what? Maybe I'll shoot something today. So I, I had passed up the small box and that. So I said, I'll bring myself bow. Cause that's a, that's like a whole other level of challenge. Right. I said, I'll, I'll bring the self bow and, and that'll make me feel a little better for shooting one of the smaller bucks kind of thing. Like, you know what I mean? That'll, that's the equalizer. <clears throat> so I just climbed up in the stand, sat down and I wasn't there very long. And the next thing it had rained and then stopped raining. And I don't know, like you do when you're hunting, I just looked and geez, I just saw horns coming at the woods at me, like just coming through the orange, the leaves were all orange and it was misty and it was just walking right at me. And I was like, holy Toledo, what a buck, right? And so I had the bow and the, the, the buck stopped. And I don't know if he looked up, but you know, when they take that one backward step, you're like, oh no. So he took a backward step and he spun around and he started sneaking away. And I'm just like, oh no, don't, don't go out of my life. Please don't go. But as he was going, he was kind of angling a little bit, out, I guess, away from me. But every step he was giving me another shot. When he got at about 15 yards, I was like, he's basically out of range. I just more or less just had that thought. It's like, oh, I can't believe I didn't get him. And he stopped, right? So I drew that self bow and, and uh, hit him. And he didn't go, he didn't go 50 yards, right? So that's the story at that buck. The two cool things about that is the self bow and, and the date of it, right? So that was it. Yeah, now this this i just sold this story to a magazine called a uh, geez i can't remember what it's called now arrowhead magazine it's a real hardcore bow hunting magazine um so i've wanted to do this my whole life right don't know why i grew up i grew up reading reading a lot about africa and i just just wanted to do it <clears throat> and uh but it was the price is just always way way out of my league so <clears throat> through through that little booking agency i run and just no life other than hunting so i'm always just chatting with people through through happenstance i hooked up with this fella who was a professional outfitter and um we just got chatting and stuff like that and he says uh well he said, it's something i'd never thought of right he said uh well there's a way you can do that a whole lot cheaper. And he said, that's if you uh, hunt a cow, Cape Buffalo, like not a bull, a cow. He says, I get some nuisance, like some permits every once in a while to take them. And he says, with the bow spot, he says, they're big, mean, black, ornery. He says, they have every attitude that a bull has. The only thing they don't really, well, and they're a little bit smaller, of course, right? But they don't have that big, thick, like, in, in the middle of his head there, it's like a boss. It gets really big and gnarly, and it's that's the coveted thing on a Cape Buffalo. The cows, they have horns, but they don't get they don't get the big boss. But she was like, I think like 38 inches wide, which is real respectable. So he says, other than that, Roger, he says, let me he says, we'll have lots of fun. And and we did, man. Like like I, I won't I'll make the story short, but we I was crouched down and 
and hunting Cape Buffalo, like on foot going into the thick thorny stuff when you've read stories about it ever since you were like 14 years old. Right. I, I was pretty much hyperventilating. I mean, I was, I was, I was scared, nervous, excited all at once. I mean, and it was much similar to that night that I was talked about with the Impala driving out. I was like, I just can't believe I'm here. Like I got to thank somebody. I just cannot believe I'm here. Right. So, so there was times it was like, <clears throat> couple times we'd get in and, and I don't know how something that weighs 14 or 1500 pounds can hide, but we'd get like 30 yards from the herd and they'd bust and we wouldn't even see them. And then, you know, it's just like a white tail deer. When you first hear that snap crack, you don't know which way they're going. <laughs> right. And then after the second snap, when you realize it's farther away, you're just like, thank Lord, I don't care if I ever see another one. Then one night, right at dusk, our final play on this herd and, they were like 40 yards away and they were just agitated and they know they're a herd animal. They were kind of bunching up and every once in a while, one of the younger, more cockier males would kind of like take a few steps out of the herd looking at us. Right. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I don't know if I can handle this. And uh, I, I was scared straight up. I was scared. And then I'd look over at the, the fellow's name was Tennis, the uh, professional hunter. And uh, he had that 458, Winchester Magnum, I mean, cigar shaped bullets, right? At the ready. So I'd feel a little bit more confident. And he would just look at me and be like, just, just, just be calm. Like, just be quiet. Don't do nothing stupid. And I was like, I, I can't move anyways. I'm like frightened to death. Right. So un unbelievable, uh, unbelievable excitement. Um, the all came down to uh, uh, one shot kill uh, when I hit it and it took off and i didn't i didn't really know and the herd swung to the left and i thought one was lagging behind and when i was looking at it i could see like even from 75 yards gigantic blood blood stain forming on it and uh, so anyways long story short is we waited a while we called the trackers i hope we could do a whole chapter on on uh, these african uh, trackers uh, unbelievable I, I i don't know how they do it it's just like they track where there's no tracks. I'm, I'm sure they could track them on cement, right, or, or concrete. And uh, so anyways, we get going, going along, and uh, they they use mostly all tracking dogs down there. So we're going and going, and <clears throat> I get, I'm get i the kind of guy, like, when I'm tracking a whitetail, I get pretty excited. Like, I'm tripping and falling. So tracking this thing was just, just ridiculous. It was like out-of-body experience, right? And it was like, I'm going to die, but I don't care. <laughs> so, so uh so we're going along and and up about we get at about 100 yards and 50 yards further up i could see that the little dog sniper was his name i think it was a jack russell and uh, i thought it was like moving around but not covering it was staying in the same spot and i seen tina's put up his uh uh binoculars and i seen this little smile form on his face right and he's like she's down she's down right and uh, i was like she's down dead or down alive and he's like I think she's dead, right? Because this little dog, he said, if that thing has any life in it, he says it'll bark, right? And he was giving it grief. He had a hold of it by the tail and just tugging on it. Right? And he said that. He says this dog's amazing. He said if that animal has any life, it just stand back and bark. And he's like, but he's like, with Cape Buffalo, you don't you don't fool around. He says they've got a habit of coming back to life. So, anyways, long story short, we're circled around. Sure enough, it was it was done. It was, it was dead, like uh, easy credit. Right. But um, I'll just, I'll just tell you one story. And then I know we're running late, but um, 
no, we do, we've got a number of other topics, Roger. To talk okay. About. The uh, the um, the week before, uh, my my friend uh, my friend Kevin and I made this particular trip, and um, we had two professional hunters booked, and the week before Kevin's PH was killed by a Cape buffalo, right? They're they're serious serious animals, so that was all on our mind right like this they're just un, they're just unpredictable right so it, it was it was an awesome awesome trip it it's not the kind of animal i'd want to hunt like year in and year out but i may have one more trip in me because i i would like to get a bull i would like to get a bull but we'll see <laughs> right pretty, pretty amazing hunt though turkey hunting good i mean ontario maine i i uh I've uh, been going to the same place in Maine for I wouldn't say 20 years, but it's knocking knocking on the door of uh, of 20 years. This this was last year. Um, turkey are one of those things that have my name for a recurve bow. Um, I've I've never shot one with a recurve bow. I've shot at them, um, uh, but like like for me, shooting a here's the difference, right? you don't have any distance with a traditional bow and for me there's guys who can do or i shouldn't say guys there's people who can do much better but for for me at 20 yards if i can do like a four inch group that's that's good shooting i mean that's just that's just how i shoot how i shoot that thing because there's so much more that can go wrong right so but i've come to realize that Oh, funny guy he is. So I've I've come to realize that for turkey, that four inch group at twenty yards, it, it isn't sufficient. You need you need like pinpoint accuracy like you could get with a compound. And I came to that through the saddest of circumstances. And I, I don't want to hold it, but I had taken a few feathers off of birds with my recurve bow and just misses. But the couple of years before this shot, I I lost a, I wounded a bird and I know I killed it and I couldn't find it. And that just, that just gnaws at me. Right. And I was like, you know what? It, I'm just, I could, if I shoot enough arrows, eventually I'm going to kill one, but how many am I going to wound right before I kill one? And I was like, I don't need that badge. I just don't need that badge that bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I can say I did it and, but I lose like two or three other turkeys. So long story short is that was, Two or three years ago when i wounded and lost that bird i've just been using the shotgun since and and it's fun i love it can't can't do it i can't do it for just a trick like you know what i mean it's got to be right and, and i know if i fire enough arrows sooner or later i'll get one but i just can't i just i just can't do it right and i'm just recapping through the photos very quickly yeah. there uh we've uh like i said we've got a, a lot of uh a lot of uh, questions there on different aspects, obviously. Uh, here's one uh, for you here. Uh, where did I hear that I had? Uh, uh, how many provinces and countries have you hunted in and uh, what species? I know we touched on a lot. Uh, yeah. Yep. I'm going to say uh, uh, Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Alberta for Canada. U.S., uh, Maine, Mississippi, 
Wyoming, Colorado. I guess that that's probably it, and and Africa, Africa twice, right? Species, I've hunted a lot of species, which is a totally different answer than how many species have you killed? Because <laughs> I've hunted things like I've hunted elk now twice, and it's still still no elk meat in my freezer, <laughs> right? But bow hunting elk on public land is tough, right? Is is tough. Um, the closest I ever came one morning, I was hunting by myself. And I was calling and probably if I called less, I might see more elk because I'm probably not very good at it. But I just I just love the idea of calling elk and shooting it with a bow. <clears throat> and this unit we were hunting, I had to shoot a four point or better bull. And I was legally allowed to shoot a cow and I was legally allowed to shoot a calf if I if I chose. And Anyways, long story short, it's the only bull elk I ever called in my life. He come and I heard him coming and I could see him coming. And I was just like, oh, it's like, this is going to happen. Was it, it was a spike elk. It literally the only, the only elk I, I wasn't permitted to shoot, right? I could have shot a calf if I wanted. And uh, I either called, he left and I either called him back or another spike, but that was the closest action I ever had. Now, if it would have been legal with a bow, I would have shot that spike and just been on cloud nine, but it, it was, no matter how hard I looked, I couldn't make him grow any points. Okay. Uh, next question, uh, how many males uh, taxidermy mounts have you had done from your hunts, Roger, if any? Well, I'm, I'm not a, yeah, I've had lots done over the years. I've, I've given them all away. I, I don't have any right now. I, I don't, I don't have any. I, I've probably had about eight, eight over the years done. Right. And don't have any right now. Um, I've given a bunch to like kids and stuff. When I, like I had an old farmhouse down the Eastern shore in St. Mary's river. And that's where I used to run my little guide and outfit down there. So I had them all down there. Some 10 years ago, I wound up selling that place and I, ju I just really had no, no room for them here. So, um, uh, one, especially big black bear, he's not in these pictures, biggest black bear I ever shot. Um, he's doing the trade shows in the U S like he's, he makes the rounds. He was, he was legit. He was poking young, uh, he was boom Crockett. Um, some I've given to kids, you know, another one went to a fella's, uh, bear hunting camp it was a half mount bear uh and deer antlers i've given deer antlers to like knife makers they want them for the handles and stuff like that right and and i get why people like them but i was like you know if somebody can take this set of horns and make a knife out of it or something that's that's better than sitting in my basement collecting dust right you know so guys are using the antlers now for pens uh doing the pens whether they're antlers or from exactly here. right so so right in my house now i've got a new collection growing of like white-tailed deer antlers and stuff like that but there's nothing there's nothing spectacular out here right <clears throat> but I, I think i've had about eight animals done over the years uh here's one for you uh, uh when would you say the work starts before the hunt or at the time you uh pull the trigger or release the, the arrow and you got a harvest down i i know the answer um i would choose but uh, looking for your uh your input on that one for me for me and i i, I don't know why it might say something i always seem to have a different answer than a lot of for me shooting a traditional bow 
the work starts months before months before I ever set foot in a tree stand. I'm not, I'm not like a natural, you know, I sucked at baseball. I suck at darts. I suck at most hand eye coordinating things, right. To be quite honest. So to me, my biggest, my, most of my work starts two months before I sit in any stand. Cause I'm just not a natural shot. Like I, I literally, I have to work at it. I have to shoot. I wouldn't say every day. I have to shoot every day that I can, which is probably like three or four times, five times a week or whatever. That's the most amount of work I, I put into it. Now let's talk about some physical work, right? It's uh, I, I do a lot of solo hunting. Um, I, I have a lot of great, great buddies that we share some hunts with, but like growing up, if I didn't hunt with family, I, I didn't hunt with anybody. I hunted by myself. So, so these days I find I do a lot of hunting by myself. So one age old the question is when I walked up to a critter and he's down and I'm two lakes away or one lake away and a canoe ride away. Um, that's, that's when the physical work starts, right? 60 at 60 years old, it's getting more physical every, every, every year or whatever. Right. And so, but I mean, I, enjoy, I, I don't mean to be antisocial. I, I enjoy hunting alone. I, I do like when I hunt it with my family down the cabin, unless it was like rabbits or something. Um, you know, there was plenty of days I didn't see, I, I'd see them at breakfast and I didn't see them again till dark. Like we just, we went our own way. We didn't social hunt. We, we hunted on our own. Right. Um, so yeah, after, after you pull the trigger, there's a lot of work other than the practice I have to put in. Cause I'm just not a natural shot, not even close to it. Gotcha. Uh, I see Butch has, uh, had something to say here that displayed on the screen here a couple of times. Uh, if I can get it back up here. He says uh, it's all work and none of it is work. That's I wish I would have thought of that. See now, if I could have said that, it would have been short and to the point and <laughs> saved my rambling. But that's exactly that's exactly it. That's like to say it's not work if you love it, right? Uh, question here: uh, Do you mentor people who express interest? Oh, I, I I do. Yes. Yeah. 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 I I uh, I've I've taken quite a few people out. Bear, bear hunting especially like i started bear hunting around here I'm, I'm maybe i'm sounding but when i started bear hunting there wasn't a lot of people bear hunting around here like i mean no i didn't have no one to go to or nothing right i just i just went and started i'll, I'll tell you a true story <clears throat> and i've generally had good luck with dnr and dnr officer officers and offices office staff so i'm not i'm not slaying anybody but I'm not, I'm not joking. The first couple of years I went to register bear baits in, uh, in, uh, Sherbrooke down the Eastern shore. They didn't know what I was talking about. Like nobody did it. Like, like I, that, and that I shouldn't say nobody, but down there, nobody did it. Cause they're like, like it's August 1st, dude. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? I was like, I got to register a bear bait. Cause I, and then, you know, somebody would eventually, I mean, that was the person on the desk who probably never had it. So, and, and you know what, Roger, uh, and uh, I know I shouldn't go down this road, uh, obviously, but uh, I've I had this similar issue, not so much with registering bear sites, uh, but uh, but when it came to buying a snaring tag, right now snaring, when I when I speak of snaring for the, those viewers that uh, aren't aware, uh, it's it's a foothold snare, it's not a, a neck snare, so. When I went there one time to uh, purchase a, a license, they said to me, they said, you need your fur harvester's license. 
for uh, for snare and bear and i first year was okay and the next year i'm like no you're wrong so anyway i argue like like i normally do right i yeah uh, if if i'm right i'll i'll argue yeah. till i'm blown the face and, uh, you know what it, it was shortly after there that uh the officer uh I called because I wanted the officer to apologize. I was that, <laughs> I was that peeved, right? Because one comment was made, and the officer has since uh, left uh, left the force. But uh, he uh, he said, "Don't be so cheap and buy your fur harvester." So I was just trying to get out of that. And I'm like, "No, I'm not. It's 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 legit. I don't need it." So anyway, I made it a point. And then the following year, there, that's when they made it a, a point of contention to put it on there that if you want a snare bear. You don't need your fur harvester's license, uh, so I, I, I was pretty proud to get that done. But I didn't know that. I, I, I to this until I didn't know that. Yeah, it was it was a, a thing there. Uh, I can recall, uh, geez, when Gary Fisher was president, I had reached it to Gary and I said, I said, I know this is how it reads in the regs and the act and that, but I'm like the office is telling me I have to buy both. Well, I don't plan on fur harvesting uh, this year, and they're telling. So anyway, at the end of it, there it took a it took one full season to get it done. The gate. All right. Yeah. I to this. Yeah. Five minutes ago, if someone would have asked me that question, I'd said I would have thought you needed it, right? But I don't. I don't. I don't set any bear snares or nothing, so I I wouldn't know. But yeah, just general information. I didn't know that. And it was interesting because some people didn't know that, and then they started fixing it there with a fine print on the poster stuff. Yeah. But again. Like some of it was unheard of in different branches offices, right? Like they didn't know. Yes, uh, although the option is there, uh, a lot of them did not know, right? No, I think there. At least with the bears, at first there was a lot of different offices doing different different things, right? Because I'd say, well, here's what we here's what you have to do, and they're like, well, I just registered a bear bait, and here's what I had to do, right? Down in Sherbrooke, we had to have a written letter. Unless it was Crown Land, but even Crown Land back down there, I mostly hunted back in those days. It was a lot of it was Crown Land, but it was, I guess, leased to a store industries. Yes, so yes. I had to get I had to get a letter from them. And whoever my contact was and store was fantastic. He must have been a bear a hunter because <clears throat> he just was the finest kind of guy. And then they would inspect it. Right. I used to have to draw a map with distances mm -hmm. and put a pin on their map and. Uh, they would, I don't know if they went all the time, but they would go in and have, I said, I don't, I don't care. Just don't come in an hour or two before dark when we're hunting. I, I can't tell them what to do, but I said, other than that, I'm not hiding nothing. Like I, I'm glad to see you. Right. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's funny because that was back when we had the registered bait sites in the 500 meter uh, yeah. gap between uh, sites, obviously. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll see what, yeah. At our, my office, they would go, they did two miles. I don't know. Oh, wow. Yeah. Two miles. Yeah. And, um, and the worst thing they ever did was get rid of that because it just oh. doors box. There's so many other issues that I won't they, touch on, on the, uh, on this podcast. I could get, I could get, you know, that discussion. I'm a fan. I'm a fan as big a pain in the butt that it was. I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of bear registrations. So, so, so was I, uh, for the simple fact was it closed many loopholes with, uh, with the poaching community, obviously, because, uh, yeah, you know, we, we don't look at them as uh, hunters or anything ethical of the sort, right? So no, it, no, it, I, it, I, yeah, I, I wish they would have never, never got rid of it. Tell you the truth, right? <clears throat> and and our office was like I guess other offices were much busier, like in subsequent years, but our the way they operated it down there was um, 
because I was an, I was a guide. So I could go in like it was August 1st when you could register your bear bait. Mm -hmm. But I could go in two weeks before and register my previous years. I couldn't re register any new ones, but I got a jump on and other people did as well. Like before the regular public came in mm -hmm. and I could I could register my existing bear baits so that I didn't lose them. And that's that's how it was. It was it was a great system I found back then, but unfortunately times change, and, uh, and yeah. uh, uh, the government in Nova Scotia for this well that we're speaking of uh, tried to penny pinch and save some time yeah. with the uh, office yeah. staff. I yeah, it, it, office, and I think I think they got some grief from office staff from at at the time, like like Stora. Like they literally had uh, receptionists or or whatever or some office person like typing out letters because they had to send me a letter like we give Roger mm -hmm. Lewis debate up this road, right? Yeah. And and like Middle Musket Aubins, I guess they were busy. <laughs> like they were busy. Like there was the imagine now with all the bear hunters, like it, it would take up a week week or more. There, yeah. I'm talking not talking about government. I'm talking about whoever's lands are hunting on, right? Like if it was a forest company, right? I think they were giving them some grief about it too. And uh, some of the forest companies are great uh, to work with uh, <clears throat> harvesters, hunters and harvesters across Nova Scotia for the most part. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, like I say, my, and this, that's how long ago it was. It was store industries and they just, they just treated me like gold, right? And that's really my only, other than that, it's mostly been on straight up crown or, or private land. Uh, next question that leads us into here is, uh, what are some of the fond memories of growing up with, uh, hunting with family? So well, I know you spoke to your dad, obviously. Yeah. There, and, uh, like I, like I say, growing up, if I didn't hunt with family, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I hunted, I hunted on my own. Right. Um, couple things, I guess <clears throat> people that maybe know me, cause I do go on about it a little bit cause I try to write some thoughts down, but I've missed two opening days for just, well, big game in my life. And one was when my, my brother and my father both passed away in fall. The only two opening days I've ever missed was the year my brother died and the year my father died. So it, it was big, right? It kind of knocks the sales out of you, but anyways, you know, life goes on, but those were the only, only really two days. Um, in, in my place growing up, it was almost like, it was almost like an event, like from a, from a young age, um, you know, first day of hunting season, I went hunting. I didn't go to school. Like that was like, right. And I didn't get to skip school for just any reason. You know, like it was like, Oh, I've got a bellyache. It was like, get to school. Right. But hunting season, big game. I did. I, I didn't go to school. Right. Um, first day I ever missed for school. And I'll remember this like forever was uh, grade six. My older brother came work, you know, like a lot of people back then went to Ontario to get the big factory job. And he came home and for a week and rabbit hunting I, that first day he was home. I missed a day in grade six. I mean, that was, a, that was a big deal. Right. So, so it was kind of always a, a family affair. Um, <clears throat> most of, most of my family hunted. Mm, they all didn't. And I, I, I kind of always like to tell this story a little bit and I, I don't know if I do it justice, but so my mother never hunted. Um, I think she grew, she, well, she grew up in, uh, in, in Cape Breton. Her dad was a coal miner. So they ate plenty of deer meat back in moose meat back in the day, but 
she never she never did that never fished or anything <clears throat> so ate very little of it like cook it cook it all day long for us but she just just didn't she didn't wouldn't eat deer meat or nothing so and i don't know if this paints the picture but to say how much of a kind of a family thing it was even though she didn't hunt and i'll always always remember this and when i say every I'm sure there was exceptions, but I'm going to say every because that's my memory. So <clears throat> every time I'd shoot a deer and would bring it home, and there was there was big excitement in the house or whatever. And uh, and when we would be bringing it around the backyard to take it down to the shed, uh, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Like she would even if we were in the shed, she would come out like in her house coat and slippers or whatever. And without fail, she always said, "Ah, oh, poor deer." like like she'd go like oh poor deer right always right but then like she would she would cook it and cook it but it could be raining you know it could be driving down rain or cold or snow and she'd trudge out into the shed just to say you know good job but it was always like ah oh, poor deer and then go back in the house now i don't know what that means to it but to knowing her and like that's what it was it was like even even my mother who was older she was she was out there in the shed, right? You know, she always would say, "Ah, oh, poor deer," but she never missed that opportunity to go out and she would cook it and and the stuff I drug home and cleaned in the kitchen sink, you know, like not deer. <laughs> she was she was just fine with that, right? So, I don't know if that to me that sums it up. It was it was it was just like a, it was pretty much a a, a family affair, right? Um, so yeah, that that I don't know that those that those are memories that. They may not come out so well in the story, but to me, you know, our, our yes, yeah, that that's right, yeah, yeah. Oh. And then, you know, I get, I guess that's the best way to put it. It was, it was like a family affair, even though some of them didn't didn't hunt, right? Most did, right? My, my brother, he hunted. My older brother, but he moved on. He didn't hunt up there again. He would come home to hunt, but he, you know money was tighter or whatever but he didn't come home every year to hunt but he didn't hunt in Ontario he only hunted at home with us and that's just that's just hunting with family right um, next question here Roger uh, I can't get over how quick the time's gone we're, we're an hour and a half in already time flies uh, man time flies when you're uh, reminiscing and talking yeah. uh, traditional bow and uh, yeah for sure memories uh, some of your hunting adventures uh, I know earlier here you had mentioned there uh, you've written some articles. How many yeah. articles on hunting have you written? Thousands. How many have I sold? Uh, you know, hundred, hundred maybe. Guess um, there used to be a a great magazine from out west called Bowbender. I, I wrote a little bit for them. Um, there was something called the Maine Sportsman and the New Brunswick Sportsman. Um, they were like newspaper affairs. They were real quality. Some of the people that wrote in there were like real, real quality stuff, real serious hunters and writers. And I did monthly columns for those. So, you know, it'd be like a dozen a year. <clears throat> um, Eastern Woods and Waters. Uh, Newfoundland Sportsman. Mm -hmm. um universal hunter they were good on the africa stuff that was they were they were really kind to me um uh and uh arrowhead magazine oh wow yeah 
Yeah, those were the ones where I would would uh, that I've actually sold and got paid for, you know, and I've done lots of other articles in like uh, bands used to the Bowhunter Association used to put out a, a quarterly newsletter, always had stories in there and stuff. But <clears throat> I'd say I probably sold 100, 100 or so, maybe, you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I know one of the viewers that we had on here from Newfoundland, Barry Fordhand, uh, he was, uh, the last episode we had him, uh, he was talking about. I saw that, yeah. And uh, I had told him to touch base with you if uh, if he can get some pointers or whatever. I said, that's, uh, so maybe Roger can mentor you on a few things. Uh, <laughs> that's right, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, Newfoundland Sportsman currently is holding a moose hunting story that I did with Where You Want to Be Outfitters and they're going to use it and then i just had one in there i don't know like a few months ago about turkeys about turkey wow. they're keen on turkey over there they, like, they sure are and yeah like, i don't know barry he probably wouldn't know my name but i talked to gord Follett quite a bit and uh, and uh, yeah they are they are keen on turkeys over there i can tell you that right so they said can you do an article on turkey so so i did right so that was kind sure. of cool. And uh, I've talked to the guys there at Newfoundland Sportsman Magazine uh, a few times there, uh, uh, Gord and the rest of the guys. So uh, it's, uh, it's they got quite the, the setup there. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, Roger, like a lot of people have reached out uh, to me personally after the Newfoundland episode just on, on guiding. I know sometimes you go over Newfoundland yourself and do a little bit of guiding uh, for where you want to be, obviously. And for, for, for disclosure purposes, uh, I do have uh, North Shore uh, guide services listed and uh, I do yeah. have where you want to be listed uh, yeah. on my intro as a sponsor, obviously. Uh, yeah. And yep. uh, I, I know you do some guiding for them for so yeah. for disclosure purposes because I foresee it, somebody pointing oh, yeah. on the road, yeah. obviously. It's there, but uh, hey, we... Uh, we weren't so much touching on that until, until it was brought up, obviously off topic, but, uh, yeah, but, exactly. uh, you know what, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's great. Uh, they do a lot of great things. Uh, a lot of happy hunters, obviously, uh, yep. seen a lot of fulfilled tags. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Result, you know, re result, results matter. I can, I can honestly say, and like, you know, I don't, I don't do any of it, but maybe I wished I did, but I mean, I, I do it for a paycheck, but I do it. I do it because I like it. Like if I didn't like it, there's, there's, yeah. well, there is a paycheck, but no one's going to pay me enough that'll make me do something I don't want to do, right? And, and I've run my own place. And, and, but what I like about working for uh, North Shore Guide Service is, it's nothing's ever a problem. It's like whatever you need, we'll get it, right? Or, or you get it, you get it, and and we pay you back. Like, and and that makes results, right? That's why that's why it, that's why it works so good. Like, like you can't. Here's what I say: you can't expect full time results running stuff part time. You know what I mean? You can't run the business part time and expect like. Like it's either you're all in or you're 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 not. And, at and all. It, ma it makes a difference. Like up there in 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 uh, North Shore, and 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 there's. I'm not saying they're not the only outfit that does this, but <clears throat> I've been around a lot of outfitting camps, and um, it's like sometimes up there, 
like Lisa was up for the whole season last year, right? Like worked like just like work like crazy. Didn't matter what it was, whether it was lugging a bear, helping in the skin and shit, helping food, like just running people, like, right? Terry wasn't up there the full season, but I'll tell you when he was up there, he was working. <laughs> I mean, he was working, right? Right. I wish I could lug bait like that, right? And then then there was two hired guys that were full time, right? And some days are like 16 hours, right? And I think we ran something just under, we probably had 20 baits, narrowed it down to like 16 or 17 or whatever. And you just flat out four people, almost well, three people full time and carry up there like part time. And and the bait we went we went through and had it, like it's just that's what I mean. But I mean, I'll get off that subject. But it was like it was like Terry. It's like you know what we could or Lisa. It'd be like you know what we could kill that big bear if you bought me like fifty uh, sirloin steaks. And the next morning, guess what would be in the meat shed? 50 sirloin steaks. Right? I mean, we didn't do that, but it's like, it's whatever, like they're full-time and they're professional. So yeah. And there's other outfits much, much like them. They're not the only ones, but they, they do, they do a very good job. Yeah. And, and I can say that straight face, look anybody. And I'm not just saying that, right. They do a good job. Roger, when this whole coast to coast outdoors got uh, on the go, obviously, I mean, you had the discussion off camera here. It, uh, it was to give uh, the outdoors a voice, yeah. obviously. Uh, people new to the sports, uh, whether it be hunting, fishing, trapping, uh, yeah. some pointers, tips, tricks, the whole nine yards, uh, guides as well, outfitters as well. Uh, and it, it doesn't matter if you're a knife maker, if you're a blacksmith, if you're just an average Joe hunter, guide, what have you. If, if something you do... Uh, has an impact on the outdoors community. Uh, right. Uh, it's it gives you guys a chance to to say what's what's taking place. Other hunters value this, uh, believe it or not. Uh, oh, I know, I, I know, because I know I do, right? I judge, yeah, like I know I do. I, I love uh, it. Back, uh, like I've got kids that watch these shows, obviously, and uh, uh, like I said, we try to keep everything PG. Uh, the odd time an F bomb is dropped, obviously, in some episodes, yeah. but. Uh, yeah. But you know what? Uh, that even young kids value what's uh, what what's being displayed, obviously, and uh, what they hear because they're saying, "Wow, like okay, I can do that when I grow up." Like, and and you've got people from foreign countries asking how they get involved with uh, hunting in Canada at different locations. But like, we try our best to to answer and accommodate all the input that is uh, brought forward, yeah. obviously. But. Uh, it got rolling basically, Roger, and then it rolls into the next question here uh, on the fact that uh, COVID-19, like this was something I wanted to run for a while, but it took COVID-19 to get off yeah. the ground, obviously. Yeah, that's a that's a real, that's a game changer. And I, I know you being as advent uh, in the outdoors as uh, many others, uh, I'm sure uh, you're feeling the, 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 the itch to get out fishing and, and the uncertainty that lies with fishing and hunting and and yep. so on and so forth uh even guiding like uh there's so much uh uncertainty there with a lot of that uh how does well, that affect what you do currently now roger with whether fishing or getting prepared well, for hunting seasons or well well a, a lot a lot um i live on a lake right so i'd be fishing now right you know right and uh what's the date today um like i say 
first year and let's just call it 20 years. I'm, I'm sure it's a little bit short that like I'd be packing for my annual turkey hunt in Maine now. I'm booked first three days, but it's not going to happen. I mean, the borders aren't even open. So, right, that that won't happen. Um, so those are the two biggest impacts it's had on me right now. Um, uh, and the third is, you know, don't know what what's going to happen to New Brunswick bear season. I mean, they get a lot of uh, North Shore gets a lot of uh, U.S. based hunters. And currently, right now, they can't come into this country, right, and hunt. So it's yeah. it's big, right now. I, I know. I, I can I can say I can brush it a little bit easier because I love that I love that income but it doesn't affect my truck payment or you know like yeah, like yeah. It, it's i'm i'm fine right but i i enjoy doing it so those are the biggest things is is bear fishing and and turkey right and there's i i you know i i can't predict what i'm going to do tomorrow let alone predict what the rest of the world's going to do but there's no guarantee that the fall's going to be wide open like normal like, I mean, everyone's saying, oh, spring seasons are screwed. But I mean, there's in the back of my mind, there's there's no guarantee that fall season is going to be as we always knew it. Right. And uh, like I've, I had reached out to uh, Lands of Forestry here in Nova Scotia and I asked specifically about the moose. And the, the response that I had received is uh, there, there's a lot of uncertainty with COVID-19 and where things are going to go. And. Yeah, it, it's it, it, it's an uphill battle because we we just honestly don't know. Uh, yeah. and, no. and 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 for uh, like for outfitters and stuff, it's especially tough because like a, a good outfitter, all the work's done before the clients arrive. So like bear guys now, bear guys especially, right? Like, are they going to put all that work out and hire guys and go through tons of bait and gas? Although gas is cheap as it is right now, it's still like they could be out all that money and not see any return. Like it's 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 dicey, right? And, and, and I might be able to chime in there a little bit. I know on episode two, uh, I put that question to the minister Holland in New Brunswick, and uh, uh, because the the guiding business in New Brunswick is such an economic driver, obviously. Yeah. Uh, that uh, he said that was something there that they would look at, obviously, uh, moving forward there of some kind of a package, possibly. Uh, uh, it was yet to be determined, obviously. But but again, it's uh, at least it's uh, it's something that that province is looking at doing for that business. And yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, there's going to be a lot of people. I mean, we just don't know. I guess just play it by ear and hope for the best, right? And that's for sure. Now, Roger, I've... Uh, I've got your uh, your website up here for anybody yeah. that uh, that wants to to follow up on what you do and uh, your hunts and thank you hunting chronicles and everything like that. So uh, that's all it is. It's just a just a scattered collection of thoughts, right? And you know what? Uh, you've got archives here dating back to geez 20, 2015, October twenty fifteen. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, it's, it's just all hunting. It's just all hunting thoughts, right? That's all. That's all it is, right? You know. And, and you know what? Uh, if anybody wishes to to see that, uh, they can view that on your website, obviously. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, which is also in the description. Uh, uh, the description part of the the video there in the comment Perfect. section. And, 
Perfect. And so thank forth. you. So, thank you. I appreciate uh, appreciate that. You know what, Roger? Uh, I appreciate you being on the show. Like I said, it's uh, it it was early on, and uh, again, as we we talked earlier, there we try to keep it uh, uh, grassroots, and then we yeah. have big names uh, that are that are following yeah. through. Yeah, uh, I think a mixture is good. Yeah, uh, and and that's what we want. And uh, like for the nonprofit organizations, obviously, we want you guys to take part too. So reach out and. Uh, Tell us what your groups are doing and that as well. You can be from anywhere in Canada. Obviously, when this started, it was the goal was from Newfoundland to British Columbia, anywhere in between when it yep. came to that. But uh, yeah, yeah. And it's, it, it's it's getting to the point now where we're we're, we're looking at encompassing all of Canada, obviously, like we are now. But we're also looking at uh, south of the border. Nice. Uh, I've I've got a request in for uh, a lady down in uh, New Mexico, I believe it is. Uh, awesome. We've done awesome. a lot of hunting, so it's yeah. uh, it's it, it's been enjoyable. Uh, we've well, the growth the growth has been like crazy. I didn't know about it. Terry said, "Oh, check this out, right?" And then every time I see, it, there's just like more and more people, right? And then now it's like not guys like me, but when I see. It's like, oh, he's on the show. Oh, that's pretty cool. I want to hear what he's got to say. You know, like people name recognition, I guess, is is name is what I'm, what I'm saying, right? But you just you just when you were speaking there about nonprofits and stuff like that, and uh, and uh, what what they're what they're up to, and uh, and I had no real intentions of even bringing this up to tell you the truth, but it keyed into me. And then we had talked about the uh, COVID a little bit. Is uh, Pretty much every year, the CWTF, our local chapter, uh, the Blue Nose Longbeards, usually does like a $500 donation to uh, like Feed Nova Scotia, um, you know, and wish it was like 5000 but, you know, 500 is is what we can, you know, afford to send and stuff like that. But, and, and we did that again this Christmas, but uh, it just clipped into my head when you said, you know, for nonprofits to get out and, and there's better people to talk about CWTF than me, but I belong to that. I'm actually the secretary. Although if anybody wants a job, they're welcome. <laughs> um, 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 but just today I dropped the check off, not my, not a personal check, but a CW cause I'm the treasurer. Uh, and we've decided with the COVID and apparently the food banks aren't getting less. So just, just today, this very day, we, uh, I don't know if we've done it yet, but I dropped the check off because it takes two signatures and all that to uh, for another five hundred dollars to uh, feed Nova Scotia from the uh, Blue Nose Longbeards just just today. And that's what you were saying, like you know, it's a chance for nonprofits to get out and uh, and say, hey, here's what we've been up to. Well, that's you know, some of the people who've been buying the tickets online and stuff just very recently. That's you know, that's where some of your money's going is to give uh, five hundred. I mean, any any month we could do it would be good, but. Apparently this time now they're it's it's a they're in dire straits because apparently like meat and stuff like that the stores are selling it as fast as they can get it so they're passing less on to the food bank right mm -hmm. so that's that's what we did just this very day and and uh, always happy to do something like that right you know what close to you guys on that with the CWTF uh, Blue Nose Longbeard chapter as well yeah uh, that yeah. is tremendous uh, it'll uh, it'll go to help people. Uh, in the current situation so yeah yeah so. and uh i don't want to speak really for the cwtf but i'm more comfortable and i certainly don't want to speak for uh feed nova scotia and i'll just throw this out there because i, I believe it's true uh when we did the 
Christmas one, <clears throat> it might've been the Christmas like before last, but we were, we were gonna, you know, Turkey Federation, we were gonna donate uh, turkey, right? We were gonna buy turkeys and donate the turkeys, right? And uh, this is just, you know, they would have been thrilled to death with that, but just for other nonprofits or in, even individuals who might be thinking about it. They said, they literally told us like, that would be great. You know, we'll, we'll put them to good use and stuff. But they said, FYI, you know, right? I, I don't know what their deal is if they buy direct from the farmers, but they're like, <clears throat> if we were to go out and buy $500 worth of turkey from, you know, Sobeys or Superstore or whatever, <clears throat> they were saying, and we'd be very thrilled with that, but they were saying, if you gave us that $500, we get such a smoking deal on them that we can buy a lot more turkeys. Like, do you know what I'm saying? So that's why we sort of stopped doing that. And we just give the cash, like they get better deals, like they can, so I don't know if that even fits into here, but I just, it makes a certain amount of sense to me, right? Hey, uh, like I said, uh, open the nonprofits to, to voice their, uh, their concerns and issues yeah. and yeah. let people know what they're doing. Kudos yeah. to the Blue Nose Line Beards, uh, that's, that's huge. Uh, and uh, you know what? Uh, great on you guys to, to be able to be in the situation currently to do that many nonprofits may not be right oh and i understand that 100 percent. yeah <clears throat> but uh, just when you mentioned that it's like oh yeah we did that just today right I, well i don't know if we actually did it yet but it i dropped the check off a signed check off today and it's, it's, it's happened it's, it's got one signature it's a waiting secondary signature that's it and that's it'll exactly, be yeah yeah so. yeah yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's tremendous, Roger. And uh, yeah. you know what? Uh, I appreciate everything you've done uh, to come on the show. Uh, oh, it was fun last night testing out uh, to make sure everything. Yeah. Works. That was, yeah. This is all new to me. I was like, yeah, I'm happy to do it, but you got to walk me through it, right? Um, you know. I'm glad I can make the platform as easy as uh, it is. It's simple. People, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm like a lot of folks my age, kind of technically challenged, but if I can do this pretty much pretty much anybody can right you know and getting into the uh just on the traditional bow hunting uh, I, I know a couple guys and i know them mostly through facebook i'm not you know we're not <clears throat> personal friends or well we're personal friends but not like buddies i've mostly i've only met them a few times face to face but anyways two of them have uh taken up traditional archery and uh, i'm not sure i had any part in that or whatever but they're just, they just love it. They're just like, I don't, I don't know if I can go back. It's just a whole different, it's a whole different game, right? You know what, Roger? How's this? I'll leave it up to you there. And uh, for uh, a future episode uh, that we can determine a date, uh, maybe I can get you and a couple, uh, two, or, two or three of them guys, or even two of them guys and yourself on uh, for, uh, for an open platform discussion. Then we can sure. open the uh, doors wide open. Any questions? Uh, People can uh, ask yeah. away, and uh, yeah. yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be fine with that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, Do it for later in the summer or something like that. Yeah, it's 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 relatively easy, obviously, for you guys to connect. So uh, yeah, it's simple. Like I say, if I can do it, pretty much anybody, pretty much anybody can, right? I just so, click the link that you sent me, and I was in. Perfect. Uh, can't can't make it any smoother than that. Uh, oh, so. Uh, yeah, so and I've got know? no, I've got no microphone. I don't even have like earbuds in. I'm just talking to my computer. So now I, I, 
I've got that, like I said, because I get an echo sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I just meant you don't need any you don't need any gear to do it, right? No, you, you could use a smartphone, a tablet, uh, desktop, right. the whole nine right. yards. Uh, right. Right. Uh, right. With that, Roger, you got any closing uh, comments you want to throw out there, or you got everything? Well, I, I think I think we covered, you know, actually most most of the topics that we had sort of said we had wanted to uh, uh, cover, and uh, it, you know, trust me, I have no special skills, but you know, I, I've had a few people tell me or say to me over the years, you know, it's like to do it, but I just don't know if I could, right? And it's like any anybody can do it, right? Uh, anybody can do it. I, you know, I, I can't shoot apples at like 40 yards, nothing, nothing like that. Don't possess any special skills, but if you're patient, you can hunt with a traditional bow, right? You can, you can absolutely hunt with a traditional bow. And when I hunt with my self bow, few people will say, it's like, oh, how do you like 15 yards? Like I just, you know, but it's like at the same hand, they're hunting with a compound bow, say, at 25 yards and i'm like you know what if you can get that deer at 25 yards you can get him to 15 right it's just it might not be this day it might be the next day so i guess that's my only message is it, it's 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 really fun and it's like everything in life it can be relatively inexpensive to get into a hunting traditional bow or you know sky's the limit if you if you want but you don't have to lay out you know ballpark you know five hundred dollars you can be you can be hunting with a traditional ball easy easy right right or you could probably spend five grand if you want it but <clears throat> three five, if you had five hundred dollars you could go uh traditional archery hunting and uh, it it's it's just it's just it, there's nothing mysterious about it well there is until you shoot it but once you start shooting it it it, it comes and and i say that from a guy who uh, had to work to get and I'll say good, but as good as I am, and I'm not really that good, but it'll come like any, any that, I guess that's my one message is it I, it's super fun and anybody can do it, right? Anybody can do it. You don't need any special, any special skills at all, right? You just got to want to do it like a lot of things, right? You know what, that's great. Uh, and I'm sure the viewers appreciate that and uh, reminiscing about uh, your hunts and yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I like looking at some of those pictures, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, brings back memories. And and bef before I let you go, you know how you were saying, uh, you know, about trophies or mounts or whatever, right? That yeah, pictures are my thing. Like, hey, I, I'm, I'll try to explain it this way. Like some of the mounts I've had, mm -hmm. and I'm not I'm not trying to like poo poo mounts or anything because when I go to somebody else's place, I, I love them. I enjoy them, right? But so. When I'm sitting in my basement and I look up at the deer head, somehow it just doesn't capture that moment. Like it just doesn't go right to my heart. But if I look at a nice picture, like a nice properly formed picture I've taken of that moment, mm -hmm. instantly I'm there. I'm I'm just right there again. Like you know, I uh, that's just me. But you know, that's that's what I like is a, is a good picture, right? <clears throat> and, and many guys like it uh, hanging in a while same mm -hmm. deal i know guys with digital picture frames that uh same same as what you mentioned there right yeah exactly. yeah a different you know that's a good thing we're not all the same right different strokes for different folks and and then the folks who get what the horns i get they're happy because they'll make their knife handles or put them on the wall kids love them kids just love getting them right they, they love them that's for sure they do yeah 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 
So, yeah, so with that, Roger, again, we appreciate you being on Coast to Coast. I, I, I got to tell you, I, I was I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be nervous here or whatever. I don't know, but I, I enjoyed it. So, you know what? If you can do something, it's just like anything. If you can do it and enjoy it, you're, you're ahead of the game. And I'm ahead of the game tonight. I, I had a good time. And uh, that's that's great. Uh, like I said, again, I appreciate it. It's you guys that come on the show that make it what it is. Uh, yeah. The viewers love it. Uh, the whole nine yards. Uh, without you guys, I wouldn't have a show, obviously. Yeah. Well, well, I, I appreciate it. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot, Jeff. So uh, with that, uh, again, thanks again, Roger. And uh, I'm just going to close us out here. And if you want to stick around there for a minute, I'll. I'll jump on and have a, a chat with you after uh, after the outro is done. Sounds good. I'll be here. Perfect. Thanks, Roger. So, folks, uh, there you have it. Uh, we have Roger Lewis uh, from Lower Sackville, Nova Scotia, on tonight's episode of Coast to Coast uh, Outdoors, episode eight. Uh, with that, uh, he's uh, he's had a, a number of uh, memorable hunts there that he had uh, had displayed uh, and. Uh, we, we displayed the photos, obviously, uh, of those hunts. And uh, I see Carrie Elliott here. Uh, great job, Roger. Uh, thanks for chiming in and watching there, Carrie. Uh, with that, uh, like I said, any viewers uh, that uh, hunting experience they want to discuss, uh, I can have a, a full panel of people on here as well uh, discussing hunting, outdoors, fishing, anything outdoors. Uh, we're willing to, uh, to break the ice. Uh, I may not be the resident expert in all outdoors uh, cases, obviously, but uh, but anyway, I'm uh, I'm here to have the platform for you guys, uh, and uh, I appreciate everybody that watched tonight, uh, chimed in with fewer comments, likes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so with that, uh, I've been in discussions there with uh, a few uh, few bigger name uh, folks. Uh, I can confirm on tonight's episode that uh, Amanda Lynn Mayhew has uh, opted to uh, join one of our uh, shows. Uh, she may be on episode nine. Uh, uh, I may, it may happen tomorrow. I'm not sure. So just uh, follow the page for that. Uh, uh, and we'll be talking about with Amanda on all the stuff she does from shooting to hunting to TV show to the Just Hunt brand. Uh, that will follow uh, soon enough. Uh, and uh, further to that, uh, we have confirmation from uh, Shane Mahoney uh, with Conservation Visions uh, that he is going to attend uh, one of our episodes here uh, shortly. And uh, speaking about conservation and how anglers and hunters play a pivotal role in uh, maintaining uh, manageable levels and how everybody can work together type deal uh, when it comes to uh, conservation of, uh, of our uh, valuable resources with, uh, with the herds and, and so on and so forth. So with that, folks, again, uh, I'm your host, Jeff McNeil, and thank you for joining. Have yourself a, a wonderful evening.